Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back out on the Graybar Sports Open Line here on KMOX as we move into the 7 o'clock hour. We are very happy to uh, welcome on to the program somebody you hear a lot here on uh, KMOX doing news, but he's also our fantasy football guru, our fantasy football aficionado. He is uh, Sean Malone. Sean, how are you? Good. How's it going? Very good. Did you have a good holiday? I did. I uh, got to go home, see the family. I'm originally from Long Island, New York, so... Uh, so made it back here in time to do uh, some anchoring uh, on Christmas evening, um, but good holiday, and I did not finish last in my punishment league, we- so that's the biggest highlight of my holiday season. Best gift I got was a good performance from my team, finally, in the final game of the season. We talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, because in the punishment league, you've got the crazy thing where you send somebody somewhere. Yeah, this is every year we change up what we're doing, and our, our punishment this year is the loser... We were inspired by one league we saw. Their punishment was they sent the guy on basically 24 hours of flights. They just kept booking him on one flight after the next. And so he went to the airport, got on a flight, had an hour layover on another flight, and just danced around the country, stopping by all these airports, and then finally made his way back home after like 24 hours. Uh, We don't have the kind of disposable income to do something Mm -hmm. like that. So what we came up with is the loser is getting sent on a Greyhound bus to what it will be an unnamed city uh, until he finally goes to get on the bus. And that's where we tell him where he's going. Um, And the only rule is he's got to do the bus route. So he can't jump off in the middle of the trip and, you know, stay in a different city, catch a flight home. He, He just has to complete the bus route. What he does when he's at that city or town, that's up to him. But basically, you're going to be spending a good chunk of your weekend sitting on a bus instead of, you know, what what all of us will be doing, enjoying the NFL playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You said something uh, last time we talked about how the playoffs can so much be built upon waiver wire pickups. And a great example of that, I'm somebody who had Ramondre Stevenson, so he's been out at the the Ravens uh, running back who just went out for... Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, who you Mm -hmm. recommended earlier in the year. I was without a running back spot going in. And on Sunday morning, I picked up off the waiver wire... Chris Rodriguez Jr. and he went out and got me 19 points and I he was available and I picked him up that morning and there was some luck involved in it but that just goes to tell show you how you're right how so often 
a, a playoff matchup can be determined by a waiver wire pickup. Especially this season, I feel like more so this year than any other year, it has been built on how well you do in waivers and trades. A lot of times you can draft a great team and you'll be good. But with the amount of injuries we've seen across the board this season, very few guys have made it through the entire season unscathed without missing time. So it kind of feels like the best teams or those that build themselves throughout the season, not necessarily who drafted the best this year. But you're right, even things like that, you know, you miss a guy for a couple weeks in the middle of the season, you got to find someone off waivers to pick up and fill in for a while. Um, this has been very much the year of streaming players for a week or two weeks here and there and just kind of patchworking your team over the course of the season. And it's moves like that, that especially in the playoffs, when win and move forward or losing your season's done, that can be the difference. Does Mason Rudolph have any value right now? I don't think so. Okay. I think there are better options out there. Um, yeah, I'll go back to the same quarterback that I mentioned earlier is a great option, although this is the tough matchup. Joe Flacco is continuing to kill it for yeah. the Cleveland Browns to enough of an extent where we almost have to consider is Joe Flacco worthy of one of those Fitzpatrick type contracts where we know he's at the end of his career. He is not the long-term answer for a team, but could he be a one year you sign him to be your starter for just one season, knowing the future isn't on the roster or maybe it was a later round draft pick with how Joe Flacco's playing. I think he's at least worth that conversation. Uh, 40 plus attempts in every single game this season. So he's not just a game manager. He's slinging it all over uh, 250 yards or more in every game and 300 or more after that first game of the season that he played multiple touchdowns in every game. Now this week, though, he's got the New York Jets. So if you're looking for a fantasy option, I, instead of Rudolph, I go get Joe Flacco, even against the New York Jets. I, I just feel like we've kind of seen this with Rudolph before. Mm -hmm. It's hit and miss with him at best. Um, I, so I'm not really relying on him all too much, If especially if I'm in a potential fantasy championship game. That's what a lot uh, at this point in your league, it's either the championship or it's the semifinals for you. I would say most leagues are championship. Very yes. few leagues run their championship in the true final week. Most are doing, they're either done. Uh, you know, the punishment league I'm in, we finished last week because we didn't want to, you know, with the NFL extending its season an extra week, it's still hard to figure out, okay, when are teams going to be clinching and right. resting? So we decided preseason to final two weeks. We won't have any games, but you're right. A lot of teams, leagues, it's this is the championship week right now. Um, who else that's maybe available in a good number of leagues or, or would be a potential good ad this week? Well, one of those, you know, uninjured players over the course of the season that's been a great player just got hurt and is going to miss the rest of the season, TJ Hawkinson. Right. Um, so if you need a tight end in a pitch, in a pinch, Logan Thomas is available in a lot of formats. He's available in more than 40% of fan tracks leagues. And he's coming off a nice game, six targets, five catches, 36 yards and a touchdown. And it was interesting with the commanders. I just mentioned how the jets have one of the best pass defenses in football. They put Jacoby Brissett in late in the game. And all of a sudden the offense exploded in the yep. second half. They almost came back against the New York jets in what seemed like a game that was over at halftime. So I think that there there's a little fire to this spark that was found with Jacoby Brissett coming in, um, especially if he's going to be the starter this coming week against uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I like that a lot for Logan Thomas also because the way the 49ers are, are as a team, I think it helps Logan Thomas. They're 12th against tight ends in fantasy. So they're not, killers against tight ends but they're about middle of the road there but the 49ers offense is one of the best offenses in football 
That means the commanders are probably going to have to spend much of this game playing catch-up. That means a lot more passing the ball around. That should benefit Logan Thomas. The last time San Francisco lost a game, they actually lost three in a row. Any worry that this loss against the Ravens is going to slow them down a bit? I don't think so. I've liked the Ravens dating back to the preseason. You know, this is the first time in his career Lamar Jackson has a variety of weapons to throw to. You know, at best he had Andrews and Hollywood Brown who had one good season with him. Um, but I like, and it's really showing even after the loss of Andrews, the depth that they have of different pass catchers for the Ravens. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, that, that was also a weird stretch where if, I, I can't remember where it happened in that stint, but Brock Purdy had that hit to the head and, yeah. you know, he was in the protocol, he got out, but he never really seemed like himself. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of chalk this more up to a fluke versus something I expect a big slide to uh, emerge from. He is Sean Malone. You can uh, hear him on the Fly Fantasy Football Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Including the Odyssey app. Also, uh, follow him on Twitter at smalone27. Uh, follow him at uh, smalone27. Follow Fantrax at uh, F-A-N-T-R-A-X. Their website is uh, fantraxhq.com. Again, track spelled with an X. Sean, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Looking forward to the next fantasy football season, talking with you more. Awesome. Very good. That's Sean Malone. We'll take a break. Have more in just a moment. It's a great bar. Sports Open Line on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. College football bowl season does continue as we roll on with a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. I just saw the... um, the bowl game between Texas State and Rice is going on right now, and the uh, the Reddit college football uh, Twitter account just tweeted out uh, a few moments ago that basically uh, all the Texas State has consumed all alcohol 
that is available on their side of the stadium. So they're going to the rice side of the stadium to purchase alcohol. Those are the big stories going on right now. We're at, things will uh, get a little bit more serious come Friday when Missouri is in action. Cotton Bowl, they're going to uh, match up against Ohio State and talk about that and much, much more. Very happy to welcome back on the program. He uh, covers Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. He is Eli Hoff, and he joins us right now via the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Eli, appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you? For sure. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm down here in, in Dallas and having a fun time of it. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, doing all right. I hope you had a, uh, a great Christmas as well. What's the um, what's kind of the vibe from this Mizzou team right now as they get set for this big bowl game on Friday? Yeah, they're just excited. We, we watched a little bit of them practicing inside AT&T Stadium today and then, and then talked to some of the offensive players after. We'll talk to the defense tomorrow. But all these guys are, are just Excited to be playing in the stadium from some of them who've been in the stadium before. Theo Weiss has played here a handful of times from, from high school championships to a game with Oklahoma. But he's just excited to be back. A guy like Brady Cook, the word he used was just incredible. You walk into the stadium and the jumbotron's massive. There's light spilling in. You can you can tell that it's a giant stadium that it's going to be rocking on Friday. So this team just strikes me as, as raring to go, too. They they've, haven't played a game of football, and, and you know it'll be a month by the time this game kicks off. So I think they're ready to, to go and uh, hit some guys were in red and silver. They tweeted out a video uh, on Christmas of them all receiving gifts at some sort of banquet, and it just seemed like I've, yeah, that's one of the things about sports. Sometimes sports takes you away from your friends and your family on holidays, and, and we all have to, uh, to certainly deal with that. But it seems like the football program did their best to uh, make guys feel like it was Christmas. No, I, I think so, and they're also just trying to make this feel like a reward. Um, especially for some of these players who've been with this program two, three, four years, uh, you know, no knock on, on the bowl games that Mizzou has been to in the past, but the Cotton Bowl and New Year's Six Bowl, it, it's a it's a whole other level for this program. So I, I think there's a little bit of incentive there that they want these guys to sort of celebrate some of the accomplishments of this season by uh, getting to, to obviously play in a big game, but also getting to enjoy their time down here and, and really soak in the last little bits of the brotherhood that they've created for this season. All right, so I keep getting asked this question, and the question is, how much does winning or losing this game mean towards the momentum of this program? And my answer has been, I don't think it actually means that much. That This program has a lot of momentum moving forward, and whether they win or lose isn't going to impact that. Would you agree or disagree with my general sentiment there? I think I generally agree, but it's one of those things where if you beat Ohio State, no matter who they put out on the field, you still beat Ohio State. You still beat the number seven team in the country, and that's a really big deal. The, the flip side of that is if you lose to number seven, Ohio State, there's, there's not a ton of shame in that. Really, if you're any school besides Michigan, I don't think there's a lot of shame in that. And, and so that still allows the momentum to keep going. And, and the fact of the matter is what I think lasts beyond the immediate maybe 24 or 36 hours after the game is the fact that Mizzou is the number nine team in the country and was in this game playing Ohio State, was on national television and in the New Year's Six Bowl. All of that drum-up, all of that hype of, of guys like Cody Schrader and Luther Burden being talked about on these ESPN talk shows and daytime shows, that, I think, is, is probably what's bigger than whatever happens in the game. So to, to that end, Matt, I think you're onto something there. Yeah, okay, so you kind of answered my next question, but I want to dig a little bit deeper on it because while winning or losing – might not impact so much the momentum of of the actual football program. 
finishing with 11 wins, finishing with a Cotton Bowl victory, finishing with a win against Ohio State, these would all be very big things for both the football program and the athletic department overall to be able to hang their hat on. Exactly. And and it also matters more too what's happening with this momentum right now that you're seeing momentum in the transfer portal that this isn't looking like this is going to be a one and done situation for Mizzou. Now they're looking at, Hey, it's a 12 team playoff next year. If we can put together a similar sort of season to, to what they did this year, all of a sudden it can, it can turn into a, a college football playoff spot. So I think there's also a little bit of that with just who the star power is and, and how long they're going to be sticking around here. That this isn't, this isn't necessarily the peak of what this, generation or iteration of Mizzou football is going to be. Is there any, and he probably would never say it publicly, although he says a lot of stuff publicly, for Eli Drinkwitz, is there some some form of, I don't know, vindication isn't the right word, but just this sense of, okay, I, I told you, if you gave me time, we were going to get this done. This, this was going to happen. Well, I think certainly, and you look at what this team's mantra has been since the start of preseason camp, it's been, they slapped it on, on, Every graphic, every video, STP, something to prove. It, that's been this entire team, and I, I think that that very much starts with Eli Drinkwitz. He he had a losing record coming into the season. He'd gotten that extension last November that I think you know raised some some question marks in some folks' eyes, and and so he felt he had something to prove, and that that translated to to players too, all the way down to guys who were even top recruits like Ennis Rakestraw and, and Luther Burden, that they felt like there was something that had to be proven. So I, I think. That's that's absolutely the case, and, and he's not too shy about admitting that he felt like that element needed to be there going into this season. You mentioned the momentum in the transfer portal. We found out earlier today. People can read your article at STL Today. Uh, coming up in the Post-Dispatch, Missouri picking up uh, for, former Florida defensive tackle Chris McClellan in the transfer portal. What kind of impact can a player like this have on the program? Well, I think he can have a lot. He's a guy who's spent two years in the SEC, so he understands what that means. Uh, he's he's played against Mizzou before, so he understands what both what it means to just play against this Mizzou offensive line with the state of what it is right now. Uh, but he also understands what it's like to play in Columbia and in that atmosphere. So I think that's a that's an important element of this, and it's also just another case of uh, Mizzou going after guys in the portal who they they know because they've seen them before. Uh, this was the case with Dare Smith, the the Georgia edge rusher, who they brought in. They're they're taking guys who you know maybe they maybe they liked what they saw when they were going through the scouting report, going through the film for a regular season matchup and have now been reaching out and saying, Hey, how about you come do this for the team that, that ended up winning that game. Does going back to that, that Christmas video that I, that I alluded to, how much can that impact recruiting when, when kids see that that's the kind of program and that's sort of the environment that's being built right now? I, I think that matters a lot because it's one of the things that, when, when I've asked Mizzou players what is different about this year than last year, because something is, is objectively definitely different this year from last year, a lot of them just talk about the, the connectivity of this team. And there are other things you can point to. You can point to Kirby Moore. You can talk to just you know the, the talent synergizing better and playing better together. But there seems to just be a, a different level of connectivity with this group. And I think that is appealing to these guys. And that's also what's factoring into the transfer portal here, even some of the high school recruitment that Mizzou is at a spot where it can pick the guys it wants. And that's not just in terms of a schematic fit or who they think can, can plug a certain hole on the offense or defense. It's also a personality thing and a work ethic thing and a vibe thing of, of Drinkwitz and, and Blake Baker and Kirby Moore and even some of these players having a say in, you know, 
hey, we think this is someone who we want to play with, not just because he complements my strengths, but because he just complements who I am as a worker, who I am as an athlete, who I am as a person. So I think that that has both kind of a, a double-edged effect with recruiting with the transfer portal of it appeals more to guys, but it also allows Mizzou to be a little bit pickier because they're trying to curate something here, not just cast a wide net and hope that hope that these guys work out. Just a few more minutes front with uh, Eli Hoff. He covers uh, Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch and STL today. The transfer portal window will close in early January. How much more can Missouri do? How much more room will they have? Are you expecting some players to enter the portal post-bowl? Like, there's just there's not a whole lot of time left to get stuff done. No, all of a sudden, just like that, the, the portal season's sort of winding down. Um, at this point, some of the Mizzou players who were, were on the bubble with Oh, will they stay with Mizzou? Will they go to the NFL? Will they try to play another year elsewhere? Uh, that being guys like Joseph Charleston, Mookie Cooper, they've, they've said they're coming back. So at, at this point, I, I still think Mizzou might look for another offensive lineman to fill that left side. They brought in Caden Green from Oklahoma, but they're losing both Javon Foster and Xavier Delgado, who both have a lot of experience. So that's another factor there. And you can always see them looking for another linebacker, just given what some of the injury issues looked like. This year, somebody else in the secondary is always an option. Uh, the, the one position that I actually think is, is the most intriguing to see how Mizzou plays this is running back. They've brought in Marcus Carroll to bring experience. They've got Jamal Roberts on the roster, who's a true freshman redshirt this year, uh, who they, they like, and I, I would expect him to be in the mix with some touches. They've got Kawan Lacey, who's going to be coming in as a freshman next year and, and brings a lot of potential. Those are three good options. Do they feel comfortable with that? It will be interesting to see if they, if they go out and try to get uh, fourth running back to compete in that mix. He brings a little more experience. They were in on Trevor at the end, the Florida running back, but uh, he went to Georgia. So the the kind of big name as far as SEC running backs go is off the table, but what Mizzou does with that position I think will be very interesting. There's also been some rumblings about the coaching staff. Eli Drinkwitz has talked about there, there possibly being some changes uh, post-bowl. Is that still all expected? Are you expecting some some members of that coaching staff to have other opportunities elsewhere? At this point, I don't think there will be too much movement just because a lot of the coaching carousel has, has already played out in terms of head coaches being cleaned out and having to hire new staffs. And, and Kirby Moore and Blake Baker both getting extensions is big because that's both the university committing to those coordinators and also those coordinators committing to the university. You know, things could look very different come this time next year. But for the time being, uh, they're both preaching stability. We talked to Kirby Moore today, and then he just seemed almost relieved talking about the extension that he knows where he's going to be for another year. He knows a lot of the guys who he's going to be working with, that he's got another year to really commit to this and build something. And I, I imagine something similar is, is the case for Blake Baker, who's signing his second extension in two years. I think these guys are committed to sticking around. The assistants haven't been poached yet. That's always something that could happen in the spring. It happened last spring with the offensive line. Uh, but for now, everyone's staying put, and, uh, and and with a lot of guys returning next year and, and a lot of the portal guys locked out, I think there's just a lot of focus on, on keeping things stable for 2024. Is Missouri at a place where assistant coach salaries are starting to catch up with the other schools in the SEC? Well, they certainly are. Blake Baker's one of the, the highest-paid assistants. Uh, you know, we're, we're still waiting on finding out what the salary figures for the extensions that he and Kirby Moore got are, but I would imagine both are going to be compensated well. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, when he got his extension last year, actually one of the, the clauses in that new contract was that he had a little bit larger pool of money to pay his assistants. Uh, you know, if, if he were to also get a contract extension uh, later this later this season, 
then that's potentially something that could also be worked in where some of the assistants could get a bump too. So there's there's kind of a trickle-down effect with some of these coaches and how they get compensated. Yeah, I've, I've seen it before where college football coaches don't even want to raise for themselves. They just want to sign an extension and get more money for their assistants. That's a, that's the uh, you know the ever-going battle for head coaches finding more money for their assistants. No, there isn't, especially when you look at a coach like Eli Drinkwitz who's moved into sort of that CEO role this year where he's got an offensive play caller and a defensive play caller underneath him. You know, certainly he's, he's going to want to keep attracting talent in terms of the coordinators and at the position coach level because Mizzou is loaded when it comes to uh, positional coaches. And, and that's another big factor in, in recruiting. Eli Drinkwitz can only do so much as a recruiter. The coordinators can only do so much. It, it matters when guys like Curtis Looper, the running backs coach, are, are going into recruits' homes and making that happen. That, that's what tends to, I think, really be an X factor with recruits. And, and that's where being able to compensate those guys is key because – it word gets out who the good positional coaches, who the good assistants are, and then they'll get snapped up elsewhere. Eli Hoff does a fantastic job covering uh, Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. You follow him on Twitter at by Eli Hoff. Eli, enjoy the rest of uh, your bowl coverage. Uh, thanks for taking some time, and I'm sure we'll talk again very soon. For sure. I definitely will. Have a good night. Awesome. Very good. That's uh, Eli Hoff joining us here on the program. Appreciate him spending some time with us. We'll switch gears. We'll talk NBA basketball. My guy, Justin Garcia, uh, works with the Milwaukee Bucks, but covers uh, all things NBA. Uh, He is going to join us in just a moment. Uh, Coming off a Christmas day that it felt like it was not quite as a, I don't know, it just didn't have the buzz that most NBA Christmas days have. Do I feel alone in that or am I correct? We'll talk with Justin about that and much, much more. That's all coming up in just a moment or so as we roll on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley, taking you for about another 25 minutes or so. We'll take you till uh, 8 o'clock this evening. We're headed back to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line, and we're welcoming on to the program one of my absolute favorite people to talk to. He is uh, Justin Garcia, analyst on the Milwaukee Bucks Radio Network, covers uh, all things NBA, and he's a Blues fan as well. You follow him on Twitter, at Justin Garcia NBA. Justin, always appreciate you taking some time with us today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Do you want to do NBA first or Blues first? <laughs> I feel like I have more to say about the Blues, so that's your call. <laughs> well, we'll start with the NBA. Let me start with this, and I'm not trying to – it doesn't really matter how many people are watching the games, but it really feels like the NFL steals the thunder from the NBA yeah. on, on Christmas Day. Does it feel that way in, in league circles around the NBA that the Christmas Day doesn't mean quite as much if the NFL is running a triple header? Um, I think there's definitely disappointment that, especially the last two years where the league has, uh, you have Christmas day falling on the Sunday and you kind of knew what you were going to be up against. And then this year, this was the weirdest schedule I can remember where the league just started sprinkling games all throughout the week. And we got Thursday again this week, but you had Saturday and Christmas Eve and Christmas day, uh, multiple games there. 
So I think there's a little disappointment, but I think the NBA also accepts and acknowledges they're not going to win in this time of year, that that Christmas Day is is still their big day. But whenever there's NFL games, and I would imagine that's going to be the case going forward, even on non-Sundays and and Mondays and Saturdays, they're going to take a little bit of a hit there. But I, I do think that's why they didn't really risk it with the scheduling this year of their games, where you didn't see them taking a risk and saying, Let's plug some of those upstart teams in there just in case they got off the struggles. You went with the teams that you know. You had Celtics, Lakers. You had uh, Kevin Durant out there, obviously Giannis, and they didn't know at the time Damian Lillard. But a lot of the teams that we'd seen recently, that they, they kind of played it more safe this year with their Christmas Day schedule. Is Where does the whole in-season tournament play into this, just in terms of getting eyes? Because – they did it for the first time. It felt weird. I know it's an Adam Silver thing. Did Does the league feel like it was a success? Do you think it was a good thing to do? I think it was overall successful. I think the league would tell you it was an overwhelming success. Um, I think just in terms of fan reaction, overall, I think it was successful. I've heard more of a split where there was still confusion over I don't understand how this works. And I think people were hung up on why you call it a tournament when there's only what, like five actual tournament games. So I think there was confusion there. Um, But we did see, especially the end of group play, there was a lot of interest and excitement. And I think the biggest thing for the league and why they would consider this a success was as we just spent time talking about how much of a grasp and, and stranglehold the NFL has on sports at this point, the NBA was such an afterthought. And they at least took a small piece of that, where you were still in the conversation. There was people talking about the NBA in November and in December. And I think the ripple effect, too, was, you know, part of this was the messaging that was sent out before the year about player rest. But that in-season tournament helped there as well, where you have seen more and more stars playing this year. I mean, Giannis, for the Bucks is missed one game so far. We've seen Kawhi Leonard playing in the majority of the games. And you think back to last year, we just compared this on one of our shows. Of Giannis missed one game out of the first, what, 30 for the Bucks. He had already missed, I believe, eight or nine games at this point last year. And it's not just the Bucks. You're seeing it league-wide that more players are playing. So I think it's kind of a multi-year plan approach. If we're setting up this in-season tournament. There's going to be a lot of confusion and questions early. But I think similar to the play-in tournament, it's going to change next year that maybe it's more group play games. Maybe you would enhance the tournament a little bit, uh, but it's going to continue to be tinkered with. And I think once we get to two or three years from now, it's going to be considered largely a success by everyone. Unfortunately for the NBA, maybe, I don't know if it's unfortunately, but it's a fact. A lot of the main storylines so far this year have been, whether it's what happened with Christmas Day, the in-season tournament, the other big story is Draymond Green, and, and he's he's continued to have issues showing violent tendencies uh, inside of games. He's out. There's a report now that uh, he's starting to do some virtual meetings as there's a possible return, so he's on Zoom. They're saying maybe 11 to 13 games for him that he's going to be out. What's your take on this Draymond situation as it just seems like it has continued to, to escalate to a point where obviously the NBA had to do something drastic. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, we started to see a lot of wild takes flying around after the first incident this year, which again, you got to point out, it's not just this year, it's the last few years that has been multiple incidents. And then I think the big thing for me was, when you heard a couple of players, Rudy Gobert was one of them, um, and even Yusuf Nurkic towards the end, 
speak out to it and say, you know, I, I hope he addresses what he needs to get addressed. There's clearly some off the court stuff that's that's going on there. So, you know, I think the big thing for the league is it's been interesting to watch how Adam Silver has handled things because it's been drastically different from David Stern. And I, I think, as you know, too, if we go back, what, two decades ago, and, and David Stern is in charge of this. Uh, Draymond Green, you know, you look back at things like Latrell Sprewell and other suspensions. Draymond Green may well have been suspended for the, the remainder of the season. The John Morant suspension as well. I think that was the first incident of Adam Silver really saying, I may have developed this reputation as more of a player's guy that we have to push back on this. And this this one with Draymond Green is, is, is tricky, where there's clearly some mental health things going on there. So I think the league's kind of in a wait-and-see approach. But, yeah, that – I think that was one of the more unfortunate things where that was starting to become one of the big talking points, especially right at the time of this in-season tournament where they wanted all the attention there. And this kind of started to take away from that. It's you make a point about what other players are saying. Is it up to Adam Silver to make sure that if there's a player playing that other players are uncomfortable being on the floor with that they basically do something about it? I mean, I guess that would be the definition of being the commissioner where you're looking out for both parties, for the owners and, and for the players. And, and basically you're doing the same. You know, it's it's all in one fell swoop there. If if you have players that have concerns, I mean, that was the interesting part is you, you didn't hear any players come out and say, I don't want to play against this guy, but they kind of told that line as much as they could just because of you know, the ramifications that that would bring as well. If you're a free agent, if, you know, you share an agent with Draymond Green, you're going to be very protective of that. So uh, that was kind of the interesting thing, just to see how far players would go. And I was frankly surprised we heard uh, Yusef Nurkic, and not so much Rudy Gobert, but I was surprised we heard Yusef Nurkic talk about it. We're talking with Justin Garcia. He is the analyst on the Milwaukee Bucks Radio Network, covers all things NBA. The surprise team for me this year uh, has been the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're, they've got the second-best record in the NBA. They're tied for first uh, in the loss column. I don't think many people out there would completely realize that they've put together this kind of a start to the season. Are you buying Minnesota? Um, yes, to an extent. I, I think what they're doing is legitimate, but – it it reminds me in many ways of, you know, teams like the Bucks and other teams that you're new to success that you kind of jump up on teams in the regular season. And, and the Timberwolves were a team coming out of the playoffs that people were pointing towards as look out for next year. I think this team is building something. Anthony Edwards clearly looks like a superstar and, and showed that in the playoffs. And you heard a lot of players too saying, you know, they gave Denver the, the toughest test that they had in the postseason. So they were a team that was kind of on the radar, but I don't know if people, to your point, expected they would at one point have the best record in basketball and still be leading the West. I just feel like I think they clearly have staying power. They're probably going to finish somewhere towards the top three overall for the regular season. Uh, But you just, you got to do it in the playoffs. You know, like we see some of these teams come on and you think, man, Look at the net rating for this team, and all the numbers jump off the page. But winning 16 postseason games is different, and this team hasn't done it yet. So I think it's usually a two-year process for younger teams like this, where you have that one regular season where you jump up, maybe you lose in the first or second round, and it's the year after that where you gain that experience. 
and then you move forward. And there's a couple of teams in the West that are like that. I think the other big surprises to me, the Timberwolves, one of them, the Oklahoma City Thunder, too. I mean, they've been hovering around the top of the West. And I think everybody saw them in the play-in tournament last year and thought this is a team that's young. Jay Gilgis Alexander looks like a monster, and they continue to take steps forward. But I think people thought that step forward would be maybe they avoid the play-in tournament and they're a sixth seed or, or somewhere around there. But they've been two or three for most of the season so far. The NFL loves the parity that exists in the league and how everybody seemingly has a chance to to win. And right now, when you look at the top of the standings, you have one kind of blue blood in Boston, and admittedly they've got the best record in the association. But then after that, it goes Minnesota, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Denver, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Sacramento. Clearly Milwaukee's had a lot of success lately. Philadelphia, Denver won a championship last year. But it is, it's different teams than we're historically used to seeing at the top of the standings. Is that something that the NBA wants? Yes. Uh, you know, I think that was another big thing with uh, with Adam Silver taking over, that the league, one of their big problems in the David Stern era was the large market versus small market narrative that was out there. And also, you would approach every single year with the thought of, you know, this is really one of three teams that's going to win the title this year. We know who's going to be really good. And in one of the conferences, we can already probably pen one of these teams into the finals even early in Adam Silver's tenure, when you think about things that they probably mishandled with the salary cap spike in uh, 2016 and the players union, not understanding what kind of softening that cap and, and spreading it out over years would mean allowing the warriors to maintain that dynasty and guys to get rich for one summer, but not the next few summers, the league's done some things to kind of combat that. I don't really agree with a lot of it. I, I think you're trying to, I think it's it's tough because at, at at one point or on one hand you're kind of penalizing greatness and trying to limit just how good teams can be, but I understand what they're trying to do in that I don't know who you would point to as the heavy favorite this year. Everybody's going to say Boston. They've looked terrific so far, and I think if I had to pick one team right now, they've clearly looked the best through these first thirty or so games. But this year, more than any other, is is what stands out that. I think you could probably come up with a list of seven teams that you would say, you know, depending on anything that happens around them with other teams in the standings or what they do leading up to the trade deadline or after, like this team could win the championship. And we just haven't had that before. You've had maybe four teams, but that list is growing. All right, before we get you out of here, what was your thought when you saw that Craig Berube got fired? (laughs) Well, I was surprised. Uh, I I did like a triple take because it was – was what like around midnight yeah it was late through so yeah i saw it on twitter and i had to like confirm a couple times like wait did this really happen um i was surprised because i i just figured you know i don't know how much of it you can really put on chief that it's a roster that didn't really fit how he wanted to play i get the way that that last game against the red wings went it wasn't uh, certainly ideal that it did kind of feel like a change just needed to be made, but I also kind of thought, well, wouldn't you do that in the off season or just wait until the end of this season and mix it up? So I wasn't quite sure if this was a, we're getting rid of chief because we're just going to start to really go full sale here and tear things down with the uh, Verona news. What earlier that week that I did wonder if, is, is this where we're going to start the bloodletting and get, let get rid of vets. But You've had the dead cat bounce so far that they're uh, they're trying to save this. I think 
I was I was disappointed for Chief because uh, he'll always hold a, a big uh, special place in my heart and all Blues fans. And I think more of the issue is with how the roster was constructed. Uh, but so far, it's it's tough not to argue that you just needed a change. And I think in every sport you see this, but especially hockey, that that shelf life's only so long before players start to not necessarily tune you out, but the message just isn't received anymore. Yeah, it's look, they've won four or five, but that's a really normal thing when coaching changes happen. There's always that bump that you alluded to, um, but sometimes it does work. It worked when Craig Berube got hired, obviously, uh, but that was a different type of roster. That was a roster that was built to compete, and they were underachieving. They may be underachieving a little this year, but not to that extent. I'm just, I am most curious to see what kind, who they're going to be once they kind of return to whatever their consistent level of play is going to be under Bannister? Well, in my confusion was I don't think the roster matched how Berube wanted to play. And the messaging we heard from Doug Armstrong before the season, too, was his expectations were pretty well in line with where the team was at the firing of, of Craig Berube. So that was the confusing part. But so far, it's worked out. He is Justin Garcia. He's part of the Milwaukee Bucks radio network, does a great job covering the NBA overall, and he's a Blues fan, so we always talk a little Blues hockey uh, when we uh, bring him on. Justin, always appreciate the time. Encourage people to follow you on Twitter, at Justin Garcia NBA. Hope you had a great Christmas, and uh, look forward to talking to you uh, certainly in the new year. Yeah, you too, Matt. We'll see you later. Awesome. Very good. That's uh, Justin Garcia joining us here on the program. We'll take one more break, come up, come back, and uh, wrap up the program. It's Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Back at it on Graybar Sports Open Line as we start to uh, wrap up this edition of the program. Back at you tomorrow night, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Hope you join us uh, for the program. So this was kind of funny. This is a couple days old, but again, we had not uh, we had not been on the air since this. Obviously, Shohei Otani is now a member of the Dodgers. He wanted to wear the number 17 pitcher, Joe Kelly. You remember Joe? Uh, he has been wearing the number 17. So his wife, Ashley, started a social media campaign to get the Dodgers to sign Otani and then for Otani to essentially provide compensation for the number 17 jersey. Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski, did you see this story by any chance? No, I did not. Okay, so this is pretty good. So she sent out all her social media posts with hashtag Otake17. Um, she offered to rename the couple's baby from Kai to show Kai. I'm sure that was a joke. Uh, she comically showed all the number 17 gear that was in the family's closets that could be uh, converted. At one point, she took a Sharpie and got rid of the number 17 and put the, uh, put the number 99 on it. Well, Otani did want the number 17. He did get it from Joe Kelly. But there was a video that was posted. Somebody knocked on the Kelly's door. They opened up the door. And there sitting for Ashley Kelly was a brand new Porsche, courtesy of Shohei Otani. There's got to be some some sort of 17 reference in the Porsche, right? Like the license plate, it's got to be 1-7, like... 
They should. That would be that good. Would that would cooler. that would make it even uh, better. Like good for Ashley Kelly. I'm like yeah. not, I'm not even mad at her. Good for her for going to social media and kind of shooting her shot on this one. And now she got herself a Porsche. Who knows if that's the full extent of the transaction for the number 17. That would probably be good enough. I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't ask for much more. Yeah. Have you ever driven a Porsche? <laughs> no. I did this thing when I was working. So. Like the the corporate Porsche people will uh, come from cities to city and they'll work with local Porsche dealerships and they'll do like this thing. It's called like the Porsche driving experience. And they take big wigs, people who have bought multiple Porsches and they'll take them to a, a, a like a racetrack and they'll have all these Porsches out there and they'll let the people drive them around the racetrack. Well, I was working for a radio station in Milwaukee, and they wanted, like, a video of this event going on. So I got to go out and do the Porsche driving experience. So I got to drive these cars around the Milwaukee Mile, the racetrack in Milwaukee. It was pretty darn cool. Did you really get to open it up? Yeah. 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 So they, when we were driving them, the Porsche people limited how fast we could go. Like when we're coming up on the corner, they would say, all right, ease up a little bit, ease up. But then uh, they would, they would take us out on one where they would be driving and we would be sitting in the passenger seat and they went at it. They, they went full bore on the track and I, I've never been in a car moving so fast in my life. Imagine how car, how car. Imagine how fast an actual race car yeah, is, or like, an F one car. Yeah. I know. I can't even imagine because I wasn't even going close to that fast. But it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. So Ashley Kelly is going to enjoy herself a uh, brand new Porsche, courtesy of Shohei Otani. That's going to do it for uh, the program today. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. Again, we're back with you tomorrow night, six o'clock, eight o'clock. Another two-hour edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We'll talk to you then right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.